0: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? fans? Welcome into the Sunday, July the 28th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And... As always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins training camp football. And on today's show, the first week of camp is officially in the books, and we are recapping day number four from Davey. A sloppy practice is met with harsh punishment, For the entire team, as Brian Flores continues to deliver a consistent, demanding message, the quarterback struggle, the defense dominates, and a whole lot more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. And of course, for 2019, your number one training camp Dolphins follow. Check out the LockedOnDolphins.com webpage. We have journals up there with extended coverage of training camp, as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast with our national daily scout, Matt Williamson, providing you all the expert analysis on the National Football League. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first on today's Locked on Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. And the first thing we're talking about today is the fact that practice was sloppy on Sunday with multiple trips for the offense and defense heading over to the TNT, the takes no talent wall. And by now, you've probably seen my tweets talking about my excitement and the encouraging nature of Brian Flores and his program that he has instituted really in short order in just six months down here with the Dolphins. As things are being ran differently, we've talked about the efficiency of the drills and training camp and the short five-minute drills that get guys inclined and engaged quickly, and it gets guys to correct some of the mistakes they may have made in the team period rather than waiting until later in the night on film and then coming back the next day and doing it correctly on the field. They get it taken care of right away. And that was part of the message that Brian Flores sent as the team really kind of got complacent, and I don't want to say lazy, but they did start to coast through the end of practice as they were about a half an hour away from wrapping things up, and they have the day off on Monday, so I'm sure that a lot of those guys were thinking, if I can just survive the next half hour in this brutal, brutal South Florida heat in front of a sold-out crowd, or I guess a full house crowd at the training facility and Davey. If I can just get through this half hour, I've got the night to recover. I've got a day off tomorrow. And I'm sure those are so welcome considering the demanding nature of these practices every day. And Flores has been preaching the principles of toughness, fundamentals, and competition. And those are staples of what his regime is going to be. We've talked about tackling and blocking and defeating blocks. Those were definitely the top three things they wanted to focus on on day number two of padded practices And part of that competitive nature comes from these guys being tired at the end of practice, not getting things done, having substitution errors, having fumbled snaps, having botched plays and missed assignments. And the message was basically this, just because it's hot, just because you're tired, just because you have to go and reach a 315 pound defensive tackle across from you, that's not a reason to get complacent and to get lazy and sloppy in your technique. And Flores was hot. At these portions of the practice, sending entire units over to the wall, having the offense do push-ups, drilling these core tenants into these players by punishing them when they make mistakes and don't live up to these things that TNT, take no talent. And it just goes back to the first six months of the Flores regime so far, where he has been so consistent and so even killed and so steady in the message for what he wants this team to be. It's why I'm really buying in and believing this process. And as they say in Philadelphia with the 76ers, trusting the process. And some of the drills they came back to, they've been doing the same drills multiple times on the same day. And today it was a watered-down version of an Oklahoma drill where you had linebackers lining up on running backs or tight ends, whatever it might have been. They had tackling drills, guys going to the ground, guys popping pads. And they kept coming back to that because this team like the Patriots, They're going to be a team that doesn't want to beat themselves, and that's a message you get across the league, but you can go back to last year's practices, and I don't have first-hand account of this, but I've been asking everybody that will listen to me if that's the case with Adam Gaze, and it never was. Adam Gaze was either on the sidelines talking to his quarterbacks, or the lackeys that he brought to practice, be it Wes Welker, or Peyton Manning, or John Elway, whoever came to practice, he was always chatting it up and having a good time with his buddies, but Brian Flores is bouncing around to each position group, giving a focus to that position group but he's also trusting his coaching staff to get things done and the best part about sending them to the TNT wall was he sent the coaching staff over there as well for having those errors in the way they communicated things at that substitution issue so Brian Flores, consistent, steady leadership, he has been everything that Stephen Ross promised us that he wanted to hire in a head coach and Brian Flores is just that genuine good hearted man but also demanding and challenges these guys to be the very best players they can be I don't want to get ahead of myself here, guys. And I know I'm guilty of this in the past with Adam Gase, who kind of ver- or validated, I should say, my hope in him with that playoff season. But I think that Brian Flores is the guy. I'm not going to go all in on it yet. I-, I do have that urge to do it. But I do think that Brian Flores is the right guy for us. And if he is going to be the right guy, if he is going to be the guy that's here for more than five years, unlike anybody else before him, going back to Dave Wanstead, He's going to have to find that quarterback. And that's where we start today's practice report at that quarterback position. And this was the worst day for the quarterbacks across the board. Josh Rosen, every single day he starts these warm-ups, these drills, these individual drills with off-target passes. And it's worrisome because that's the guy I saw on tape in games. You do it in games. That's one thing when there's a live pass rush, when there are circumstances that are out of your control. And it's a little bit more understanding when you get overwhelmed or flustered when there are live bullets coming at you, but doing this stuff against error is just unacceptable. There was three plays in a row, and I tweeted each one of them because I thought it was important to show you the level of incompetence he's showing in that area, in the accuracy area, that he was putting balls off target. And it goes back to the film study where I mentioned that Just because he completes the pass doesn't mean it was accurate. And there was one throw off the back shoulder on a 10-yard out route. All of these were 10-yard out routes. The first one was down around the kneecaps and just uncatchable. It was a terrible throw. The second one was off the back shoulder, and the receiver had to contort who made the catch, but that's not a good throw. And then the third one, the third one, he short-hopped it like a shortstop throwing across the diamond and short hopping the first baseman. I just don't see how that's anywhere near acceptable. And at the same time, he does come back and he shows a gamer mentality. He's better on third and long or in the fourth quarter and his game tape with the Cardinals. And he does the same thing in the team portion drills but he still wasn't good in the team portion drills. He was just better, but it was a tough day for him. I wonder if maybe just maybe he's trying to adjust to the temperature and the climate down here, because at the end of practice, there was a funny moment where he wrung out his wristbands and a bunch of sweat poured out of those things, like a gallon water bottle coming out. And I wonder if maybe his hands are wet. I don't know what it might be, but that's not the Josh Rosen we saw at UCLA, but it's what he's been so far with the dolphins. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't any better, and he was his usual sharp self in the warm-ups, and you would expect that from a 15-year professional quarterback or just a professional quarterback in general, but it's these flubbed exchanges from the 15-year vet that really make you wonder. And so there was this quarterback powwow between Rosen Fitzpatrick and Jake Rudolph, who was a scout team quarterback through and through, no doubt about that. They all had a powwow with quarterbacks coach Jerry Szaplinski on the near field while the entire rest of the roster was on individual drills on the far field. And these guys had this little meeting, this melding of the minds to maybe try to regroup and get things going. But unfortunately, the regroup never happened. It was just a rough, rough day for the quarterbacks. Now they have some time tonight as well as tomorrow on the off day to go back and look over some of the mistakes and hopefully get things corrected. And the same is true for Brian Flores and his coaching staff. This bad practice, this sloppy practice is a chance, a coaching opportunity to, to instill some lessons and provide a bounce back day on Tuesday and see what these guys are made of and really challenge them as professionals and as men. All right, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and get to the rest of the practice report, including some cool personnel usage the Dolphins used on Sunday's practice. But first, real quick, I want to tell you guys about Postmates, the thing that is keeping me alive down here in the hotel room as I record these podcasts down in South Florida. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you need all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving locked on listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code LOCKED ON to sit there in your underwear and get food brought right to your door with Postmates. craziest things I've noticed since coming to South Florida, and it was this way last time I was here too back in December, is that you guys outlawed turn signals. I wonder why that rule came to be, but apparently you're not allowed to use turn signals in South Florida, and it's just basically wacky races out there on those highways, on those streets, and on those back roads. Anywhere you go, you're going to find someone cutting you off and not using that blinker, so maybe we should get a law going where turn signals are allowed again in South Florida. I don't know. That's just one Washingtonian's opinion. But you guys want to hear more about this practice that I attended on Sunday for July 28th here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I talked about how Flores bounced around from drill to drill, position to position. And one of the areas he really had to focus on, and it makes sense because this position is so important to the running game in this offense, but also in the scoring ...portion of the offense down in the red zone. I'm talking, of course, about the tight ends. And there are multiple alignments for all of these guys across the tight end position. From the slot, from the flex, from the traditional inline Y, an H-back even, and fullback even... And these guys drilled blocking big time today. And Mike Gasicki was one of the guys that I thought kind of stood out in that area. There was a rep he had against Rashad Jones. And if you know how shoulder pads work, the flaps off the outside can get pushed up when you properly get your hands in the right spot. And that's what you're shooting for. And Gasicki comes off the rep and it's all about the footwork and the way you approach that rep. And he looked good in that regard. And he showed power with his punch by shoving the shoulder pads up into Rashad Jones's helmet and kind of getting the best of the 10-year veteran. So that was cool to see. I think the Nick O'Leary and Durham-Smythe battle is really heating up, and there might have to only be room for one of these guys on the roster if we are to assume that Dwayne Allen comes back and gets his job when he's healthy. But I think that Smythe is narrowly winning that battle right now, even though they've both had good days and bad days. But Smythe was tremendous on the day today as that wide tight end position. He has a chance to really carve out a role on this offense. And to go back to Gasecki real quick, he scored a touchdown on a slot route down in the goal line where he did a pivot on a slot cornerback. And if he can add that type of functionality to his game, He's going to score so many touchdowns when you consider that he's a threat to go to the corner for the fade, but if he's also a threat to come back on a jerk route or a pivot route, whatever the hell you call it, then he can really score in a multitude of ways, and he might be this team's best scoring option in the passing game down in the red zone. And some of the guys responsible for covering those tight ends have been the safeties, and we'll talk about the defensive backs, and Bobby McCain on yesterday's post-practice interviews, proclaimed himself as a full-time safety, and that was very apparent on Sunday as the Dolphins started using some of those cover one single high safety packages. And McCain is the deep man. He's the free safety in those packages, and nobody else gets first-team run at that position. So that's very interesting. We'll see how well he does this year in that spot. And I think the main reason you put him back here is, one, they believe he can do it, but two, you have to maximize what you have in Minka Fitzpatrick because this guy is going to be the star Of This defense, everything he does is exceptional. And I kind of think we probably can stop talking about him, but then he finds a way to go out there and outdo himself. And he's been playing that Patrick Chung role a little bit that Kevin Dern and I have talked about where they have specific run gap responsibility like the Patriots do. And he came down on a rep today and filled the B gap on a red zone snap. He fought through some traffic and met Patrick Laird, a bigger running back in the hole, in that B-gap, and knocked the rookie backwards. It's fun to watch him defend the run, but he's even better against the pass. This guy just has it all. At 205 pounds, knocking dudes back. That's fun to watch. And Xavier Howard is in the exact same category. You just... It's so obvious to see why he has the most picks in the National Football League. Going back to December of 2017, he always finds the football and he pairs that physical dominance with just elite level instincts that get him around the ball all the damn time. Now other guys that I found to be interesting on the day was the use of TJ McDonald as well as Marie Smith and those safeties in this defense, they're going to come down and defend the edge. They might play some dollar linebacker role and that's where McDonald finds himself several times. He came off the edge as a blitzer and he had a great play where he took the ball right out of Trenton Irwin's hands, the rookie in a red zone drill right around the goal line. He took it out of Irwin's hands, got the pick, jumps up, spikes the football and everybody celebrated. Marie Smith too was playing that role in the second Secondary as well. I think the depth of the secondary, as we have talked about all offseason long, is a pretty big concern. If one of these guys goes down, there could be some serious issues on that back end because the pass catchers tend to feast on the back end of the cornerback and safety depth chart. And fortunately, Eric Rowe, after a bad day one, has had a nice three day stretch. He usually lines up against guys like Bryce Butler, Devontae Parker, or Preston Williams, the big body X position receivers. And he does well in that regard, but there was one coverage gaffe where he jumped the flat and left Preston Williams all alone for a wide open touchdown. So got to get that stuff corrected. We don't want to see any more of that when we saw too much of it last year under Matt Burke. Flipping it back over to the offensive side of the ball, and we got to talk more about Kalen Balazs. And I've kind of kept it, kept it easy in regards to the hype on Kaitlin Balazs, but today I thought he really, really showed out. He had perhaps the play of the day on a diving touchdown reception up against linebacker Sam Aguavion, and it was a bad throw from Rosen, but Kalen Bellage made it look right. He is just body beautiful out there. The 8-pack, he's cut, he's shred, he's lean, he just looks like an absolute force, and he's been playing like it, and one of my favorite moments from the day was when he and Eric Studsville, the running backs coach, came out onto the field together to start practice, and they were laughing and joking and smiling for the entire walk down the field, about a 100-yard walk. They have that pre-existing relationship going back to high school when Bellage was in Colorado and Studsville was in Denver, so so I think there's a great relationship there, and I think it's really budding for Kalen Balazs. But Kenyon Drake should not be forgotten about either. He had some run with the first team during install, and really just as much work in that regard as Kalen Balazs, even though Balazs is the one that starts the practice Drake gets out there as well. In addition to that, he's still on punt team and getting kick return opportunities as well. So he's going to see plenty of the football. I think Mark Walton really struggled today and Miles Gaskin has been pretty quiet and the running back group is kind of thin right now unless those guys step up. Now, a position that's also thin but really stout at top, I think, is the defensive line because Vincent Taylor is really fulfilling the prophecy right now of the breakout for- the breakout season that I forecasted for him. He's been an absolute menace with power, with quickness. He stacks and sheds he is really taking to the system well and so is Devon Godshaw who is just so damn powerful and he really fits that read and react two gap scheme I think and he's showing that Christian Wilkins has had some issues with the two-gapping because he's more of a one-gap quickness guy, but he did get into the backfield on that quickness, and I think some of the good reps we've seen from him are from some one-gapping, upfield defensive style, and the times that he struggles it's maybe a little bit more of the two-gap, but I thought today was one of his better days. Those three guys and the depth behind them, at Akeem Spence, Adolphus Washington, and Joey Embu, I've been impressed at different points of practice with all of these guys, and I think that you might be a little bit premature to say that this interior defensive line group isn't very good, I think it is pretty good. They have a versatility and they can really be multiple with... Multiple over and under fronts. And on the website on LockedOnDolphins.com, you guys can see I explained that more on there. I won't get into it here on the podcast, but I think the depth and the versatility of those guys is actually pretty good. And out wide is where you might struggle, but Jonathan Ledbetter and Dwayne Hendricks both showed up on the timeline again today. I think that for sure one of these guys makes the roster, maybe even both. A guy that I think might not make it is Nate Orchard because he's more of a pure pass rusher in a defense that doesn't value Pure pass rushers. He's been a liability setting the edge in the ground game. And that brings us to Charles Harris, who might be more of a peer pass rusher himself, but he's playing faster and stronger. I had a couple of reps with him on the individual pass rush drills where he got by Jordan Mills for some pretty easy sacks and looked great. And then he did some stacking and shedding and dented the edge in the running game in the team period. He just looks he looks better to me in the early goings of camp than he did basically throughout the entirety of last season so the defensive line getting it done really dominating the day and that means the offensive line probably didn't have the best day and really they didn't except for Larry Tunzel who I have basically kind of ignored through the first three days because what's the point? You know, you know what he is. He shuts down Khalil Mack and Jadavian Clowney. There's nobody on this roster that will test him like those guys but I watched him for some of those individual pass rush drills which is one of my favorite drills in all of football. You see it on the Senior Bowl every single year and he he got into his pass set against both Jonathan Woodard and Tank Carradine who tried to win with speed and he just kind of sat there and got into his pass set and laughed about it. Then they tried to work back underneath when they realized that attempt was futile and Laramie Tunzel locks them out, drops the anchor and just basically holds them at a standstill and the rep was over in a way that you don't really see in football. Usually guys continue to work through to the whistle but they had to stop because he was just locking them out. It was fun to watch a dominant player do his thing. Now guys that have been dominant in other practices practices Jesse Davis and Chris Reed, these were not their best days. They kind of struggled today, especially in that goal line drill. And Daniel Kilgore, for as much crap as we have given him over the last year or so, he's off to a good start in camp and he's been used in some creative ways on that offensive line. We'll come back to that in segment number three. I think Jordan Mills and that slow plotter style really showed up today. And Michael Dieter, I after talking to him the other day, I wanted to focus with him on the practice field today. And he received some individual instruction from Pat Flaherty the offensive line coach as he worked on his hand fighting but something else stood out while he was doing that the natural bend in his knees you'll hear scouts all the time say is he a knee bender or a waist bender if you're a waist bender you have no balance but Dieter is a knee bender he looks like he fits the part of a long-term starting guard in the NFL if you ask me And so you have the traits in the running game, you have the desire in the passing game, and you just have the overall work mentality of Michael Dieter that makes you think that he's going to fit in this league for a long time. All right, we're going to come back on the other side and get to the linebackers, the wide receivers, and talk about some formational stuff. But real quick, before we take our last break here, I want to tell you guys about UntuckIt.com and their shirts that look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to UntuckIt.com, use promo code MBA to get 20% off your first order with UntuckIt. And we thank UntuckIt for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I think the tone that, that guitar solo there sets is appropriate for our next topic here and talking about these linebackers and the return of Rayquan McMillan to the first team linebacker unit. Now he's been getting reps with that group, but he was more prevalent in today's practice and it was fun to watch this guy do his thing because nobody on this team really can bang heads the way that Raquan McMillan does, and that was on display on back-to-back snaps. The first one was an off-tackle run where he keyed, beat the block underneath as someone tried to get out in front and seal him, but he beat that inside with instincts and then tagged off on Kalen Balaj because they couldn't bring him to the ground. But the next one, the next rep that really stood out was when he came downhill in the B-gap and shot it again and just stuck the guy for a loud no gain, and the entire defensive unit went, ooh, as he made the stick and then he was up and and celebrating and the defensive group came over and gave him his dap. That was fun to see. His former college teammate Jerome Baker, he was everywhere on the day. The Dolphins kind of unleashed some of their blitz packages on the day or at least the beginnings of those blitz packages and that includes linebackers coming up the middle and Jerome Baker got free on some of those. I think that he's going to be very effective in that blitzing role especially up the middle. And the guy right now who might be the third best linebacker on the roster continued doing more of the same. Sam Aguavion was out there for the first team reps, and he got some work with a specialist too during individual drills, and I think that is very telling. I'm pretty sure this guy's going to make the team. He's earned it so far. Chase Allen did not practice, but Terrell Hanks got some work because of that, and he looks pretty good in that inside-outside versatility skill set this team is going to like. He showed some skill set in the edge, as well as working backwards in coverage, he has an opportunity to stick with his team as well this year. The last group I want to talk about is the wide receivers. And the reason they come in last today is because the evaluation on them was tricky because of the quarterback play, but I thought Kenny Stills was the best as he is known for this deep threat receiver, but he has such a penchant for consistently finding soft spots in the zone, and he also knows how to chase the defender's blind spot in coverage. He looked pretty good on Sunday, and so did Isaiah Ford, who had a deep touchdown in one-on-one drills over Monterey Hardage. but he and Stills also stayed after practice and worked on long balls with Ryan Fitzpatrick. My other note on receivers is that Preston Williams, not sudden, we've talked about it all week on the podcast, all weekend, I should say, not going to get you with in-and-out breaks, but he's so big and that catch radius is so large and they really like to put him running crossing routes along the back end line in the end zone where you can make a pass that basically either is going to go high and incomplete or preston williams goes up and rebounds the football so that's it for the receivers that's it for the positional groups one last note on the special teams i talked about how Aguavion, I'm going to butcher that name for the end of time, he went over to the specialist and worked with them during the individual drills. Well, so did Chandler Cox, which I hadn't seen so far through four days. And Chris Lammons, defensive back we haven't touched on much in this podcast, he got a lot of work with a specialist on Sunday as well. And he has been all weekend, I should say. But let's go ahead and talk about our last topic here. Some unique stuff I saw in practice in regards to the way they use guys. One thing that I think Dolphins fans are all going to love is the way they do screen passes in this offense. With Adam Gase, and this was apparent on the receiver charting projects I've done, they threw so many passes that wound up negative three, negative four yards behind the line of scrimmage. So guys had to make plays just to get back to the line of scrimmage. Well, in this offense, the screens, they push upfield and then come back to catch the ball right at the line of scrimmage. That's cool to see. Dan Kilgore has been doing a lot of cool, creative stuff in regards to some outside zone, but also peeling back and sealing the backside. We'll see some of that in the regular season. They've been stacking Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills to the boundary. I like that combination of guys because you have the size and the speed and there is so much motion in this offense a ridiculous amount of motion they'll bring one guy in motion he'll get set they'll bring somebody else in motion and they're trying to confuse the defense with multiple looks as much as they can Chandler Cox played some offset Y What might be more known as an H-back, I thought that was cool to see. So lots of unique ideas from the Dolphins coaching staff, and I think we're going to see plenty of this stuff in the season as this scheme really changes and overhauls going forward. Okay. That's going to be it for me on tonight's show. I want to remind you guys about the schedule for the week. This show is kind of serving as the Monday show because it's going up at 7.30 on Sunday night. And with no practice on Monday, I was going to take the day off, but I can do a half-hour podcast and answer your questions on the Mailbag Show to give you guys some content for the Tuesday morning drive. And that means Tuesday is going to be another double-dip podcast day like it was on Thursday here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'll have the practice report up hopefully in time for your nighttime commute, your post-work commute on Tuesday, but it'll be a stretch since practice starts an hour later than usual on Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Then we're back to the same story Wednesday through Friday. We're going to be back at the practice field at 9.40 Eastern, then the scrimmage on Saturday, and I don't know what time that is just yet, but I'll have a podcast for you guys on Saturday night and wrap up on LockedOnDolphins.com, and then the team is off on Sunday, and I'm flying back home. We'll continue to do camp report podcast after that as soon as they wrap up so i think we've kind of reached this inflection point where it's all about ball now going forward on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But as for now, I'm going to go get myself some street tacos. But first, I want to tell you guys I'm going to wear my GRIP6 belt. Today's show is brought to you in part by GRIP6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes and no flap. It's great for the man or woman in your life. Go to GRIP6.com lock. That's L-O-C-K-E, GRIP6.com lock for a special offer for you right now on your first order and also please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating leave us a review check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams follow me on Twitter at Linkville NFL follow the show at Locked On Fins keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog and the training camp journals over on LockedOnDolphins.com you guys have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football i yeah.